0: Hello and welcome back to the official SASTA podcast with me, Harry Stebbings. I'd love to see you on our new favourite platform, Instagram, at hstebbings1996 with two Bs, where you can see all things from us behind the scenes. It would be great to see you there. But to the show today, and you might remember about 12 months ago, we had Louis, co-founder at Showpad on the show. Well, today, I'm very excited to welcome his co-founder and Showpad CEO, PJ. For those that have been living under a rock, Showpad is the world's leading sales enablement platform that allows for the creation of amazing experiences. To date, they've raised over $89 million in funding from the likes of Insight Venture Partners, Dawn Capital, and Hummingbird. As for PJ, Chopin is the second company he's founded. In 2010, he co-founded the mobile development agency In The Pocket. Prior to In The Pocket, PJ held senior roles at Netlog and Accenture, and I do also have to say a big thank you to both Louis and Teddy Wardy at Insight Venture Partners for the intro's PJ today, without which this episode would not have been possible. But before we dive into the show today, let's face it. Email gets messy and complicated, especially with Google groups and distribution lists. Front, the first shared inbox for teams, makes it easy to manage your company's info at and help at email addresses. With Front, teams get back to customers faster with easy internal collaboration and clear owners, so there's no confusion. Front also works with Twitter, Facebook, Twilio, SMS, and live chat, so your team manages everything in one place and never misses a message again. Today, companies such as Shopify, HubSpot, General Assembly and Y Combinator all use Front to help their teams work better together and you can sign up for a free trial today at frontapp.com and thanks to my friends at WePay let me introduce you to another very cool player in SaaS, TeamSnap. TeamSnap has taken the organisation of youth recreational and competitive sports into the 21st century. Over 15 million coaches, administrators, players and parents use TeamSnap for registration, scheduling, communication payments and other time consuming tasks. Learn more at TeamSnap Com. And to learn how you can grow your revenue with integrated payments, like TeamSnap did, simply visit WePay.com forward slash That really is a must. They've got this incredible cheat sheet on how to get started with platform payments. But that's quite enough from me, so I'm now very excited to welcome PJ Bouten, co-founder and CEO at Showpad. Good! That's perfect. Okay, I think we're warmed up. PJ, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on the show today. As I said, heard so many great things, both from Jason Lemkin and Teddy Wardy. So thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, great to be on the show. Not at all, but I'd love to kick off with a little bit about you and how you came to make your way into the world of SaaS and came to found Showpad. I'll give you the
1: two-minute version. I'm born in Belgium, Bruges, nice historical city. Studied here in Belgium and Barcelona. Then I actually started my career as a consultant at Accenture in the CRM space doing Salesforce, implementations across Europe then I got bored of wearing a suit and a tie to work every day and I decided (laughs) and I decided to join um, at that time one of Gen's rising uh, startups called Netlog they were a social media company before Facebook crushed it but they were doing quite well had 100 million users I joined pretty early they raised some money from index got my first startup experience and realized as well that you uh, didn't have to wear a suit and a tie to be successful and that at a young age you could build out a great company as the founders of netlock did and that's also where i met my co-founder co-founders actually louis and peter and we first started a mobile app developer back in 2010 called in the pocket we developed custom mobile applications for media companies and brands and then at a certain stage we had one of the in the pocket customers who asked us hey we have a sales team we're looking to attend a trade show we like to equip them with tablets and make sure they have the latest content and can easily present share materials and that we can get some data and analytics. As we started looking into that, building out that solution for the customer and started looking into that problem, that's how we discovered the huge disconnect between sales and marketing and, and all of the interesting challenges that it brings for companies. And, and that's how we started to build Showpad.
0: And what a journey it's been, seeing the scaling of Showpad. And I want to break the interview stay up into a couple of different segments. So I want to start on the theme and state and expectations of product stay in SaaS, then move to, maybe value props and then finish on decision making and that handoff between sales and marketing. How does that sound? Sounds great. So starting on product, we've spoken before and you said to me that a great product is no longer enough in today's SaaS world. Let's start on that. Why is that the case, PJ?
1: Also, let me start by saying, obviously, having a great product and ShopBet is a great product and it's been part of our early success for sure in terms of how we came about and were able to grow the company. But at the end of the day, at a certain stage, as you're scaling and growing your company as you're I would say transitioning from probably around like the 10 million dollar recurring mark to above and beyond then it's also where a lot of the challenges around go-to-market kick in it's where challenges around building the team kick in it's where culture becomes super important it's where vision and, and long-term strategic choices are super important And so then it's not only obviously I, I see the product as, as like the ultimate foundation upon which you can build great companies and and great companies have gone that route but I think then there comes a stage and there comes a time when you're building and scaling your company that you have to solve and especially in enterprise SaaS when it also becomes about the execution of your go-to market defining segments from customer size defining how you market define how you use SDRs and outbound versus inbound how do you set up your territories and account executives how do you you know merge pre-sales post-sales the role of Customer success, all that stuff. I think there's a ton of focus on the product, and for all the good reasons. But I think then there's eighty percent of other stuff that is like super important as well to be able to build a a successful SaaS company.
0: You've given me so many questions there. The first one, and and one that I often debate with Jason Lemkin, is kind of getting to that ten million ARR. If I were to ask you, what was the biggest challenge in getting Showpad to ten million ARR? What would you say? Our biggest challenge was that from the start we started building out Showpad on two
1: continents, and that was very very, very tough in the early days. That's usually a challenge that most, I would say, American, U.S.-based or Northern American SaaS companies only encounter or start solving when they're at maybe 20, 30 million ARR as they look to open maybe a London office or expand to Asia. And from Chopard, from the early days, Louis, my co-founder, moved to San Francisco. We started building out a team there. I started spending a lot of team there as well. And we effectively had two companies within the company and early on needed to solve, you know, make sure you had a solid culture that we... We had good communication and processes in place and it, it probably pushed us to think on certain more strategic and harder to solve issues earlier on and it also triggered some earlier struggles maybe than other companies but i feel then it enabled us to scale quite faster
0: can i ask having had that experience of scaling faster maybe the most to two continents what advice yep. would you have for european founders looking to really make it big in the u.s
1: i mean if, if you're a european founder and you have and, and you're based somewhere in europe and you have have some engineers and maybe your hometown or where you're based I would look at before you move to the US or you, you make that shift make sure you have several customers in Europe that you have some product market fit where there's a clear it doesn't have to be 100% repeatable but you need to have customers references a product that's solid and then also the bandwidth that if and that's why I like Louis and myself we do some angel investments and we, we also advise other younger entrepreneurs and I always like to see founding teams of, of two or three people Yes, there's more complexity and you need to make good agreements with each other and think things through. But it then also helps if one person can make the move across the ocean and build out the team there, because then you're also establishing your culture there. It makes it easier to make that switch. And so my advice would be get the foundations right, have a product, make sure you're able to get some revenue, get feedback and have some, you know, I would say probably a couple hundred K in ARR and then make that move across the ocean. Especially again in enterprise SaaS, if you want to be a market leader, if you want to go the U.S. is still by far the biggest market for enterprise software, so you have to be there.
0: You said the word there, complexity, and latching that onto kind of the enterprise theme that you just mentioned, the sales cycles are longer for more complex products. I'm intrigued, what have been your big learnings on minimizing those sales cycles, and how do you think about that with Showpad today? Our
1: challenge in the the early days of selling Showpad was that internally, we would say, hey, we're selling into SMB, mid-market, and enterprise, but we would kind of have a blend approach. Enterprise reps wouldn't be yet fully enterprise reps because they didn't have the support of like pre-sales and post-sales, and also maybe a partner network. We recently closed a deal with Deloitte, for example, who also gets us in, in certain really big deals. On the, on the sales cycle side, I think in the early days, there's everybody does everything, and you have you basically have a couple of reps and they're selling. In Shopify's case, at least, we were, they, they were selling super small deals, and they were selling mid-market deals, and they were selling enterprise deals. But the way that we sold to the enterprise wasn't actually the way that enterprises usually get sold to. So we left a lot of money on the table, actually, in the early days. If I look back now in terms of we discounted way too much, we didn't come in with enough, let's call it, body and experience versus those customers. We didn't charge enough on the professional services side to make implementation successful. And so obviously, that dramatically impacts sales cycles. Because you're selling in a SMB mid-market way to enterprise customers, what it will do, I mean, yes, you might, maybe you have a free trial or maybe you can set up a proof of concept easier at at a lower price than maybe competitors who do sell more in the enterprise way but I can guarantee you that that competitor who's selling in the enterprise way maybe the sales cycle initially will be a bit longer but then they will scale much faster and ultimately for Showpad we're very much a land and expand model and then the good thing is the way that we did it is we landed deals with big logos but there were small deployments and because of the product and we had an amazing product yes we kept on expanding and expanding and expanding customers but in hindsight some of those expansions could have happened probably a year or two years faster and some of those customers have grown from 10k arr to now 500k to recently a million dollars well, one of those customers they're with us for five years we grew into a million dollars but the way that we're selling and going to market right now we, we could probably get there in 18 to 24 months to achieving those types of land and then bigger expansion that ultimately really impacts sales cycles and then also a better mid-market or smb approach and better segmentation, ideal customer profiling and stuff like that, then also helps to close
0: smaller deals quicker in a better way. PJ, you're giving me so many leads here, but I do want to start, you mentioned your angel investing, so put on your angel investor hat and your mentoring hat and imagine I'm an early stage SaaS founder. You mentioned discounting there. What advice would you have for me in terms of discounting and how I should think about that in kind of onboarding new clients and and the need to do it in the early days?
1: Ultimately, the, the way I think about discounting, it's all about the value. And the the big challenge with discounting and the perception on the customer side is if you're massively discounting your product for whatever reason and sometimes hey, the reason could be like we really want to win this deal or we need this logo or we we desperately want this customer logo on our website all valid reasons but the challenge is if, if you're discounting or if your pricing is structured in that way that you need to discount massively even for your first customers it gives the customers a perception of a lower value of your product so i think discounting for me is related to value and then value for me is related to if you're discounting too much usually it means that either the customer doesn't get the value, or your sales reps are not able to articulate the value well enough, or you don't have enough proof points to demonstrate the value, or maybe your pricing is just too high, or you should rethink how you're going to market. And Ultimately, I think, looking back at Shoppad, I think, uh, historically in the early days, we discounted way too aggressive, especially for our bigger enterprise customers, and we did it just for the sake of winning the deal. And yes, in some cases, obviously we got the logo, but looking back and talking and I would honestly ask that some of my customers have come up to me after they were a customer one or two years and I've developed a great relationship with some of the VPs or executives and they would say PJ I mean the, the way you guys went to market in say 2014 or 15 man you, you guys were you were cheap and like we easily could have doubled the price at that time and if the price would be double and you would, would have added 100k in professional services we would also have become a customer so it's, it's that balance that you need to find as an end it's not an easy thing I would just say you learn it by going out there selling your product um, asking your customers for feedback and as you develop some of these better relations with with customers and get a better understanding of the market you also get a better understanding of the value and obviously ROI cases and really demonstrating
0: the value to customers then drastically helps pricing PJ you mentioned logos multiple times there and so I have two subsequent questions kind of offshooting Uh, logos one is uh, how much social validity to logos on websites really provide in your experience let's start with that I mean just
1: the logo probably none or you know it's more inception and, and eye candy I think more important is video testimonials personally if we're looking at maybe buying purchasing a product at showpad or software at showpad and maybe somebody of the department says like hey we're looking at buying this or this product or this product usually what I'll do is, is I'll start looking on the website try to find videos on YouTube co- connect on LinkedIn with some of the customers that I see on the on the website and try to figure out people there so that's also the, the way buyers buy today right i mean it's actually something that's that helps to solve it with, with customers in the sense that logos as such don't bring much value to me or don't you know it's not because you have 100 logos on the website that i'm gonna buy a product but if i can see like passionate customer testimonials that are by buyers that resonate with me i think that's really important i think reviews on g2 crowd are also increasingly even in enterprise sales now i think getting increasingly important there for sure so and then obviously don't Underestimate customers talk to each other, even if it's with competing companies, for example. And so if somebody look is looking to buying showpad for example, they go to the website, they see hey, the VP marketing of Company X is, is doing a testimonial. Chances big that somebody will reach out to that person on LinkedIn, connect, start chatting. And so that's the way how buyers buy today. And the vision for, for Showpad then as a company is that we want to help companies to differentiate on the buyer experience. And I think that is ultimately when we say a great product is no longer enough in today's SaaS world. Ultimately Ultimately, what I would mean with that is that you also have to think about the buyer experience at an early stage. And buyer experience touches upon how your SDRs do prospecting, how your marketing puts messaging out there, but also how your customer success team interacts, how your support team interacts, the way you you connect your tech stack uh, to make sure that AEs have the latest information and can do personalized and relevant communication. And I think that's a big challenge for a lot of companies today,
0: both in tech, but also in traditional industry. Can I ask, with the rise of self-service, is the buyer experience not pretty impossible to differentiate when looking at the SMB self-service market where kind of values derived on click?
1: super, super valid statement, super good comment. I would say in many ways, and, and depending on your product, obviously if you have a product that lends itself, Showpad in the early days, I mean, the vision the vision of the company in the very early days when Louis and myself and Peter started building the product and going out there was like, hey, we're going to build something fully automated, fully self served. People will come on the website, ask a trial, we'll convert them, and basically they're on their own. We quickly actually, as we had BASF and bigger customers started calling us, we quickly... <laughs> Had to come back from that model. But if you have a product that really lends itself to self service, if you think about all of the, I think first time user experience today is a topic at a lot of SaaS companies. I think any SaaS company today is always looking at how are we onboarding customers, even if it's fully self served. I think you can infuse a certain experience in that. Then also, if you think about how you support these customers, if people, even if you have a self serve, a fully self serve product, and customers ask either send you an email or they have a problem or they contact support or however they're posting something on social media i think again there, there it's a possibility to differentiate in buyer experience or customer experience in terms of how you interact with them but then as your product get more more complex as the interactions get more complex as there's as you're selling maybe 50 100k and and above you know deals usually then customers also want to see people showing up in meetings at locations all around the world and then that's where obviously there's a ton of challenges how do you align your sales and Marketing messaging and experience, and how do you merge what people find online and on the website, and what they maybe get through marketing automation flows and HubSpot and Marketo, to then what messaging is the AE bringing? In, and once the deal is closed, how they're being served and treated as a customer? Ultimately, truly believe. I mean, the vision for showpad is the best buyer experience wins. That's actually the vision of our company. And I think a lot of companies out there can really, if you think critically about that there's always things you can improve there.
0: Can I ask? You mentioned that the realization that you actually needed to build out the infrastructure behind to service and support the clients post the self-service model. I'm intrigued. What was the first segments that you built out? Was it a sales team? Was it customer success? Was it marketing? And would you do it differently today and having known what you've seen?
1: Actually, I would do it pretty similar as we've done it. I truly believe it's easier and more natural as a company to start an SMB mid-market and then work your way up in enterprise SaaS, particularly as you get input from customers, as customers use the product. We initially the first people that we, we hired at Showpad were account executives. Obviously, we had developers. And then as we started selling the product, basically, I mean, Louis and myself were doing support and customer success, if you want, and sales in the early days. But we quite quickly, our first customer, we started the company in 2011. I think we hired our first sales rep pretty much eight months later. Two sales reps, actually, as Jason always says, like you have to hire <laughs> two to make sure you can A, B test and, and create some competition. And then we, we very quickly also start Building out customer success and support as just the nature of our product required it, and, and this, we saw them in a mid-market or SMB way. But we quickly signed some bigger logos, and it's actually the customers who then start pushing you towards. Hey, at the end of the day, as a founder, the first two or three years maybe you can pick up the phone at you know twenty four seven when a customer has a problem. But ultimately, you, you like to make sure you have a global coverage. You like to make sure you have a, a good processes with renewals as they're so critical to be managed. And then also from an upsell perspective, you like to make sure that you have people who are focusing on continuously to demonstrate value. I think also that's also one of the things I like to push upon with people that I mentor or companies. That, that doing myself investment advice is like think about like think about demonst- keep demonstrating that value at every
0: touchpoint. Okay, so let's double tap on that. How do you continuously demonstrate value at every touch point? Is it with customer success regularly ensuring kind of engagement and maximum usage of product? How do you think about that? For me- me that really starts in the
1: early days we underestimated that at showpad i think the, the vision and mission of our company has evolved and wasn't always super clear internally in the last years we really doubled down on that so i think as a company first of all make sure that you know what you stand for make sure that you know where where things are going and that you can communicate that internally that helps to align people because to demonstrate value at every touch point everybody in the company needs to know what your company is about what your product and service is about and also what the longer term perspective and vision of the company is. And then as you and I think there, obviously, marketing plays a big role in, in terms of not only delivering that message externally, but then also making sure I think you should start by, by doing that exercise actually internally and involve the entire team in getting to that vision, mission part and, and have the buy in and everybody. And then starting from there, it's it's making sure that the value prop is super clear, not only for your salespeople, but also, enough, also for SDRs, also for people in customer success, also for for people who Man the phone on the support line, or, or answer tickets, or follow up on tickets. To even the our office manager, I like her to know as well what the value of our product is and what we bring. So if a customer comes in and maybe sees, hey, Showpad, you won the I don't know which prize or whatever they they see in the reception, that our receptions can also talk. Hey, yeah, I mean we've yeah we've we've been chosen number one because of this and this, and so it's really making sure that the entire company understands the value prop of Showpad, and then really making sure that they go the extra mile to articulate that but also to surprise to delight your customers to make sure they don't feel that once they sign the sales order and once the money's in the bank that they're kind of left to their own um, and then maybe three months before the renewal they get some love and attention because i can guarantee you yes if your product's good you will obviously keep your customers probably for a big percentage but you're missing out on a ton of growth and potential if you're not servicing your customers and demonstrating that value at every touch point and it's major, for example, at Showpad, that's also our sales enablement team, internal sales enablement team that really helps to do that. And I think there's um, a lot of companies, especially more traditional companies, really don't think about that. But then also, I think a ton of startups and faster growing companies sometimes lose track of demonstrating that value at every touch point.
0: And speaking of kind of that cohesion throughout the company, I do want to ask one final question with regards to sales and marketing. We had Shan Sinhar, founder at High Five on the show recently and he said that accidents happen at intersections. I'm intrigued. How do you think about then the handoff between sales and marketing and how to really minimize any friction or churn that often takes place? For me, minimizing the friction
1: there, and I think it's a great question because it's something where I'm really focused on as a CEO as well, trying to keep that helicopter view. And then you see exactly, I love that statement that those challenges happen or or where things go wrong is exactly at intersections. And I think the way, first way to solve that from my perspective, making sure when you set goals and KPIs that they are shared goals. At Shoppad, for example, marketing and sales share the revenue goal. Yes, marketing also has, we've built a plan with SQL targets and MQL and measurements and all that marketing stuff but the ultimate number for marketing where also we're comping people on is actually revenue and it's the same for the AE so they're actually fully aligned from a target perspective but then comes a the challenge like how do you besides that shared goal and usually that triggers a lot of hey we need to collaborate to solve for the issues then it's also a matter of really especially with globally distributed teams ShopEd has people across the globe we have a fast-growing Chicago office, we have 50 people in San Francisco, we have... Uh, 150 people in Ghent we have people in London we're we're opening an office in Munich so we just try to hire the best talent sometimes regardless actually of where they are and obviously with time zone differences and things like that then it's a matter of we spend quite a lot of money on travel in terms of I still believe that yes you can do a lot of collaboration over Zoom and Hangouts and Skype and collaborate but ultimately I think nothing beats putting people not only in a room but also make sure they go for drinks and dinner and have a party in the evening or do stuff like that to make sure that from a culture perspective bonding perspective that people know each other know what other people do in the organization and that's then how you can avoid that at those intersections that there's a hands off mentality or like hey it's not my problem because i think that's then the challenge if you have people one of the values show by this aim for maximum impact and that involves also accountability and i think there as well it's making sure that people feel responsible not only for their own hey this is my little island where i'm on but also kind of the, the broader goals of the company and where we want to go and it's really infusing that into the culture and I think it's but it's a never ending focus and it's a never ending challenge and I feel like no matter at which stage you are and I feel even the bigger you get obviously sometimes you get much more challenging with more people more offices, more time zones, and more complexity of products but it, it's something where um, you need to make sure to hire good leadership then to make sure you drive the right behavior and set the right goals and incentivize people in the right way by making sure they need to collaborate together to achieve the results
0: absolutely and I love that shared accountability but I do want to move into PJ 60 seconds faster a special quickfire just for you so I say <laughs> a short statement and you give me your immediate thoughts how does that sound yeah. PJ? cool let's go for it does it ever get easier how's your role changed with
1: scale? in some ways it gets easier in other ways it gets more complex and I think it gets easier from a early days grinding perspective and going through all the motions of doing everything from uh, cleaning the toilet. Uh, in the office to uh, doing sales to now solving more. I spend my day a lot on hiring people, culture, bigger strategic things, and those things take time as well and can be quite hard. But it gets it's more fun every day for sure.
0: When's the right time to pour fuel on the fire? Fundraising wise, make
1: sure you have again depending on your setup, but make sure you have customers that you have revenue that you're and it's, it's the, how you say it like uh, it's cliches, but really make sure that from a growth perspective you can show traction in whatever way that is suited and fit for your market but i think traction is important and make sure you also that you feel that you can infuse competition in between vcs and people who want to invest in your company because if you just get one term sheet you might not get the best terms
0: what keeps you up at night pj besides my two
1: young kids i'm actually not that much i'm a super good sleeper my <laughs> wife always says like it's amazing how you fall asleep in like literally 30 seconds and louis my co-founder always laughs that i can sleep like literally anywhere anytime but uh, what keeps awake at night is it's usually people-related stuff at the company where, you know, if, if there's stuff going on with employees who are for some reason maybe not happy or they have a personal challenge that you like to help them solve and I think that really keeps me awake at night. What's
0: the favorite SaaS reading material? What do you uh, always go back to? I, I obviously, obviously the Saster
1: blogs, I think there's a ton of wisdom there for many people. I, I like Thomas Tungus, uh, his, uh, you know, usually on a weekly basis he writes some really cool articles. So I'm subscribed to, I follow a lot of people on Twitter, I follow a lot of, there's a ton of just wisdom out there and I think people just have to make their own selection of what they like uh, and also then make sure they go out there and gather their own experience to then uh, maybe contribute to the community.
0: Okay, a final easy one for you PJ. What do you know now that you wish you'd known at the beginning of the showpad journey?
1: That's a good one. In some way I actually like the fact that I started the company pretty naively and I think some naivete is always it serves you as a founder in some ways. Obviously, you have to make sure you do smart decisions but not knowing too much is actually sometimes the best recipe to make sure you start entrepreneuring but what do you know that you wish you had known at the beginning it's such a tough question actually um, because I have zero regrets I enjoy what I do and building out Chopin in the US was a really hard three four year journey and we're finally getting there and maybe it is it's really making sure how important talent is and what a difference if you hire exceptional people into the company what a true difference those one two three really exceptional people can do for your company so and it's not only two or three people it's actually bigger teams but it's for me it's maybe the hiring exceptional talent can at the right time can really make a massive difference for the outcome of your company
0: pj as i said at the beginning i continuously heard so many wonderful things both from teddy and jason so thank you so much for joining me today
1: i really enjoyed it so uh, i hope uh, you make something good out of it (laughs)
0: Now, I want to say a huge thank you to PJ for giving up his time today to be on the show. We clearly did make something good out of it. And you can find him on Twitter at Pieter Jean. And we would love to see you behind the scenes here at Sasta on Instagram at hstebbings 1996 But before we leave you today, email gets messy and complicated, especially with Google groups and distribution lists. Front, the first shared inbox for Teams, makes it easy to manage your company's info at and help at email addresses. With Front, Teams get back to customers faster with easy internal collaboration and clear owners so there's no confusion. Front also works with Twitter, Facebook, Twilio, SMS and live chat so your team manages everything in one place and never misses a message again. Today companies such as Shopify, HubSpot, General Assembly and Y Combinator all use Front to help their teams work better together and you can sign up for a free trial today at frontapp.com and thanks to my friends at WePay, let me introduce you to another very cool player in SaaS, TeamSnap. Now TeamSnap has taken the organisation of used recreational and competitive sports into the 21st century. Over 15 million coaches, administrators, players and parents use TeamSnap for registration, scheduling, communication, payments and other time-consuming tasks. And you can learn more at TeamSnap.com. And to learn how you can grow your revenue with integrated payments like TeamSnap did, visit WePay.com forward slash Sasta. And they've got this really smart cheat sheet on how to get started with platform payments. That really is a must. And as always, we so appreciate all your support and look very forward to bring you next week's episode.